Hi there, this is Roma Waterman and you're listening to Release the Sound, a podcast on prophetic worship. I'm believing this podcast will help you to understand and flow in the power of Holy Spirit-led worship in your church and in your private worship time. In this podcast, you're going to get a big dose of theological foundations, personal stories and practical applications that you can implement straight away to activate the power of prophetic worship that will bring healing, breakthrough and deliverance in your communities and your personal life. I hope as you listen, you'll also feel inspired and empowered. This is Release the Sound, a podcast on prophetic worship. Hey there, hey there, welcome to our very first podcast on all things prophetic. I'm Roma Waterman and now we are new best friends. Thank you for joining me as we explore what worship in the prophetic looks like in scripture and how we can apply it in our personal lives and also in our churches. So for the first few sessions, what I would love to do is I want to really unpack some theological foundations so that we've got a good framework for some of the activations I want to give you. So these first two sessions, I want you to hang in there because they're going to be a little bit more content heavy. But then as we move on, I'm going to share some stories from personal experience as a worship leader and as a songwriter. And then I'm also going to give you some things that you can take away and do. But I just really felt like it was important to get the foundations right so that we're wise prophetic worshippers. We're not just people that know how to do it because it's a calling or a gift, but we actually know how to explain it and teach it to others. We're discipling others in the process. So in this first podcast, I want to share is prophetic worship in the Bible because it is kind of current new terminology, isn't it? It's probably only been around for maybe 15 to 20 years, this idea of prophetic worship. The idea has been around a long time, but that terminology is being used more and more. And so firstly, I want to say that language changes over time and it even changes depending on what country you live in. So we have to understand phrases in that context. A hundred years ago, there would have been terminology used and words used that we don't even know what they mean now or words that we use back then that don't mean the same thing that they mean now. And so I would say that the words prophetic worship are kind of like that. It means something in the era that we're in. Is it in a concordance? You are not going to find the words prophetic worship in a concordance, but as a lifestyle, as a way of releasing prophecy, you're going to find it in many places in scripture. And I want to share some of those today in this podcast. But before we start, let's get a foundation. What does it mean to be a prophet or what does it mean to be prophetic? Because I think once we understand that and then we put it together with the word worship, it helps us understand what prophetic worship is. So let's delve into that. Let's go to the original translations of the word prophet in scripture. So initially, the literal translation of the word meant spokesperson. So you're representing the words of God. You're speaking for God. It doesn't always mean you're going to see the future or you're going to know what's coming. It just simply meant you were representing what God's heart was and what God's words were to the people around you. Isn't that beautiful? That's what we want to be as worshippers. Now, there's four words in 
Hebrew that describe the word prophet, and they have slightly different intimations. So I want to read them to you now. The first word is nabi, N-A-B-I, and that means to bubble forth as from a fountain or to utter. And this is the first word that was used to describe prophets in the Bible, the word nabi. In Samuel's time, Samuel the prophet, there was another word that began to be used, which was roe, R-O apostrophe E-H. That translated as seer. You can read that in 1 Samuel 9 verse 9. And this word actually occurred seven times when describing Samuel the prophet. So he was a seer. I'll explain what this means at the end of this section here. And then later the word hose. And again, that means seer. You'll read that in 2 Samuel 24, 11. And in 1 Chronicles 29 verse 29, very interestingly, all these three words were used. So we talk about Samuel the seer, Roe, Nathan the prophet, Nabi, and Gad the seer, Hotse. So it's not using the same word. And then the fourth word for prophet we find in Joshua 13 verse 22. We don't want to be this kind of prophet, forewarning, all right? Balaam was called Kozem which is a word used for false prophet. May we never be that kind of prophet. (laughs) So we can see that there are prophets, but there's different words that maybe there's different words because they possibly describe the flavor or the function or the personality of the prophetic. So for example, the prophet could reveal words could be a Nabi prophet that bubbles forth. Have you ever felt like that when you've really, if you've ever released a prophetic word, it just bubbles out of you like a fountain? Or it could be a prophet as a seer. So a seer might have dreams and visions or see things, you know, in their mind's eye. That's what kind of shapes their prophetic gifting. Kim Clement, an amazing prophetic worshiper who's passed away now, but he would be a perfect example of a seer prophet. He would often have dreams and visions and sing those things out during worship. So we see these different meanings to explain the different characteristics of what a prophet might look like. Now that we understand that prophet is spokesperson, prophet is bubble forth, speak the words of God, see in the spirit. Let's look at some examples connected to worship. Is it in scripture? Is prophetic worship in scripture? Well, you'll be delighted to know. Yes, it is. Thank goodness. Or this would be the last session in this podcast series. So let's go through some of them. I'm not going to go through all of them, but just to give you a couple of ideas. The first one I want to read to you comes from Habakkuk 3 verse 17. You might know this scripture. It's the one where Habakkuk, Habakkuk, I don't know how you say his name, but you know who I'm talking about, right? He says, though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes in the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, yet will I rejoice in the Lord and so on. You can go and read that scripture in your own time. But the reason I'm I'm showing you this is because this was a prophecy but at the end of this chapter there's an interesting sentence and it says this for the director of music on my stringed instruments wow so what that's actually saying is i have a prophetic word i am releasing i am a spokesperson for god releasing what i am seeing but i want this to be on stringed instruments so here we see a marriage between the prophetic and the song, prophetic song. 
And it's actually in the Psalms a lot. Now that you've seen this here, you probably will notice that at the beginning of many Psalms prophesying about the coming of the Messiah, for example, they were directed to be put to music. I often wonder what it would have sounded like. What would the sound have been like to hear those Psalms to music? And I love that David, who wrote a majority of the Psalms, was considered a prophet and also a musician. And so he also had a high value for teaching the prophets to use their instruments. So if we go to 1 Chronicles 25, verse 1 to 3, and we're talking about the priests, um, Asaph, Heman, and Jedithan, it says in 25, verse 1 to 3, it says, The sons of Asaph and of Haman and of Jedithan, who prophesied with lyres, with harps, and with cymbals. Wow. So prophecy was coming through their times of worship, their times of music. And then we go on to read a list of their duties, which was to prophesy, it says it again, to give thanksgiving on the lyre, and so on and so forth. And the prophets were actually taught to sing. So if we continue in 1 Chronicles 25 and verses 4 to 7, we see all these were the sons of He-Man, the king's seer, according to the promises of God. And then we talk about Heman, we talk about some of these other prophets here. In verse 6, it says, They were all under the direction of their father in the music in the house of the Lord with cymbals, harps, and lyres for the service of their house of God. So we see that worship was part of their training. Worship and prophetic went together. And in fact, when we read about the school of the prophets mentioned in the Old Testament, I think there was three, possibly four school of the prophets mentioned in the Old Testament where students are being taught to be prophets in a school. But it was interesting that part of their training was worship and musicality. And I love that. I'm like, yeah, that's pretty cool that the prophets were taught to be skillful on instruments. So we read that in 1 Samuel 10. The prophet Samuel says this to Saul. This is what he says. He says, As you approach the town, you will meet a procession of prophets coming down from the high place with lyres, tambourines, flutes and harps being played before them, and they will be prophesying. So again, there's this connection. Whether that means other people were playing the instruments and then the prophets were prophesying, it still was the school of the prophets. There is this idea, this inference that worship and the prophetic, are they go together. They fit well together. And then we come to the New Testament. We're commanded to sing songs, spirit songs, aren't we? In Ephesians 5 verse 9, where it says, Be filled with the Spirit speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Firstly, what I love about this scripture is that there is a separation of the different ways that you can worship, psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Now, we don't know if songs from the Spirit means the music part and the psalms mean speaking them out or hymns, but there is this idea because of the last part of that scripture, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. There's this idea that music is all connected. And when you look at those words, spiritual song or songs from the spirit, the original Greek actually means spirit songs or songs in the realm of the spirit. That sounds like prophetic worship to me, just singing what is in your heart, singing this idea of the spontaneous song again, but again, I love this idea, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and songs. So you've got this idea of structured songs here, 
as well as that spontaneous song. So how did early church worship look? If this is the idea, you know, Paul shares those instructions of what it should look like when they have their times together as a community. And it was very interesting because I often wonder if in our Western framework, in our Western idea of thinking of what church looks like, we separate all these things. We say the announcements, we have a time of worship, we have the preaching. Did it look like that in the early church or was it simply interchangeable? Was it very free-flowing? That's prophetic worship, if you ask me. I love this. It says in the scripture there, as, as it continues to go on in verse 26, what then shall we say, brothers and sisters, when you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction or a revelation, a tongue or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. And that's what I finally want to say about the prophetic when we connect it to worship. True prophetic ministry New Testament prophetic ministry is about edifying, uplifting, and exhorting the church. And when we release sounds that do that, oh my goodness, people come alive, people are changed, people are transformed. And we're going to explore that a little bit more in the next session coming up. But as a beginning, let's understand it's in the Bible. It was part of the culture. Worship and the prophetic went together. What a powerful idea. And so as we end off this very first podcast, I release that over you. I release not just information, but transformation and revelation as you sing the song of the Lord over your people and over your families in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. I'm looking forward to seeing you in the next podcast. Thanks so much for listening to Release the Sound, a podcast on prophetic worship. If you're hungry for more, head to romawaterman.com where you can check out my book, Releasing Heaven's Song, Singing Over Your Nation for Breakthrough and Revival. It includes activations that you can use with your team or even on your own. And I've also got an online school where we have several courses on the prophetic, worship, spirituality and creativity. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review. And until then, I pray that you will release the song of heaven over your family, your church, and even your nation. And I look forward to sharing with you in the next Release the Sound Prophetic Worship Podcast.